God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our scripture today is all about fairness. Fairness. There's perhaps no topic that comes more naturally to us. We human beings are quite expert on fairness. Starting when we are little kids, we are incredibly adept at identifying just what's fair. I think my poor older brother could probably never understand why I needed his help with fractions and percents when I was such an inborn expert on the relative sizes of cake slices and cookie halves. I think we're all a little more familiar with the feeling that's not fair than we would like to be this year, most of all, when it feels like really all of humanity just can't catch a break, that life-altering, world-shifting tragedies have been coming faster than we can absorb them. It may feel like we're less ready than ever for a parable like the story Jesus tells us today about getting paid the same wage to work nine hours as someone who else gets for just one, which sounds like exploitation, frankly, and it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound fair. The thing is, I don't think we're quite the fairness experts that we think we are. For me, at least, I tend to be pretty good at understanding when I want things to be fair, when it's about what I get and I'd like things to feel good and even. Yet when the conversation shifts, when it becomes about what I might have to give up, then it becomes much, much harder. Our nation, our whole world really feels so torn by conflict, by polarization, by anger with one another, I think we need this parable of the laborers in the vineyard more than ever, no matter how uncomfortable it makes us. Because this is truly a story about those laborers. I'm not so concerned this morning with the landowner, the boss. This is not actually a story about God's generosity. It is actually much more about how God sees us and about how we see each other. God wants to rework our idea of what is right. There's a phrase I've seen cropping up all over the place this summer as our nation has roiled over inequality and civil rights. I've heard it said and seen it shared that when you've spent your life in a position of privilege, equality feels like oppression. When you've spent your life in a position of privilege, equality feels like oppression. That is not to call the day laborers in this parable privileged, far from it, but rather to say that in 21st century America, I can't help but feel that we are living in a state of profound confusion. This November will only be the third time I have been old enough to participate in a presidential election, which is to say that my political coming of age has really been shaped by debates about human rights. Is food a right? Is shelter a right? Is healthcare a right? And everyone that I watch engaging in these arguments in the halls of power or on cable TV, they already have all those things. And I can't help but be reminded of Jonah, old rescued from the belly of a whale Jonah, watching to see if God will punish the people of Nineveh after forgiving him. I think of these early laborers in the vineyard angry that they are receiving just what they were promised. 
I think of the older brother of the prodigal son, hurt to see his brother being welcomed home with feasting, whose father says to him, my child, haven't you always been with me? Fairness, deserving, the moral and ethical dimensions of what is mine and yours confuse us. All too often, this concept of fairness does nothing but distort the faces of our siblings in Christ. It obscures us from one another. It obscures our humanity. When we are thinking about what is fair, we are not loving our neighbor as ourselves. That distortion feels like what this parable is really about. It's about that taste of bile we get in our mouths, like Jonah, so mad about God's mercy he could die. The anger that those laborers feel, what do they say? Do they say, this isn't really a fair day's wage? No, they say, you have made them equal to us. You have made them equal to us. That is what they cannot bear. Thinking about these scriptures reminded me of a poem, an anonymous poem written by a woman in Chile in 1973, a poem taken out of the country by an American Christian missionary when she was forced to leave the country after Salvador Allende was overthrown. The poem is written in two voices, the voice of a rich woman and a poor woman. And the rich woman says, there was a man who talked about the peasants getting richer but my family getting poorer. And the poor woman says, there was a man. He told me of days that would be better and he made the days better. The rich woman says, we had to eat rice. The poor woman says, and we had rice. We had to eat beans. We had beans. My children were no longer given summer visas to Europe. My children no longer cried themselves to sleep and I felt like a peasant, and I felt like a woman. The deep and profound inequality of our country and our world is a confusing distortion of how God means us to live and of who God means us to be. And it is bigger than all of us and in many ways has trapped all of us. And I am just as unsettled as you are by what I might have to give up for this world to look like the kingdom of heaven. But I have grown up hearing that this is a parable about generosity when it's really not. Jesus gives us a lot more compelling examples of generosity than a landowner paying the minimum wage. It's just that in the mainline American church, we're so used to talking about abundance, God's abundance, when so many people are trying to get enough. We can't hear this story and declare it a tale of God's abundance because abundance only begins when everyone has enough. We pray with Christians all over the world to God, give us this day our daily bread. Provide me with enough for today. That doesn't mean it's a sin to think about tomorrow, but that we have a long way to go in letting this be a world where there is enough for today. And on a real core level, that is about learning to love our neighbors as ourselves, being able to rejoice when their needs are met instead of seeing it as a statement about what we ourselves deserve. Us abundance people too often operate from a mindset of scarcity, and we don't even realize that the opposite of scarcity is not plenty, but enough. 
Only when everyone has enough can the true abundance of God be seen. When we talk about fairness, when we debate basic human rights, we distort the humanity of our neighbor. We are unable to see the face of our neighbor, let alone to love them. When even some of that distortion, that misguidedness is put to rights, the feeling is powerful, powerful. And it is that well of gratitude and respect that has come over so many of us as we have given thanks for the life and service of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg this weekend. I owe many of my equal rights and protections under the law as a woman to her tireless efforts. Yet as people have mourned Justice Ginsburg's passing and the political chessboard has been reshuffled yet again, I can't help but feel the way I do whenever a very powerful person dies, which is that we as Americans and Christians rely on the creation of our heroes and villains to distance ourselves from our own power. I think we're a little afraid of our own power, of our own responsibility, and we shift it. We give too much of it away. We lift the yoke off our shoulders and put it too wholly onto others. The loss of anyone we call a hero or a giant brings us that much closer to the reality that it can be just as much about what we believe and what we do as it is about our leaders. What we will do, how we will live into our responsibility to ourselves and to each other, in our lives, in our relationships, how we use our resources, how we spend our time, down to what choices we make in a voting booth. We elect leaders, we have favorites, we cheer on those with whom we agree. But at the end of the day, there is no barrier between us and our responsibility to love our neighbors as ourselves, as faithful servants of Christ. Things change, big things change when any person of such power and renown dies. But that responsibility never changes. We have to be people that care about each other if we want to be people that strive for the true justice of God to be known across the earth, because that is where we find our hope. No matter how chaotic the moment, no matter how difficult the task, in God's justice, in God's love, there is hope and true abundance to be found. The abundance of God's grace that is given wholly completely to all, to the first as well as to the last. The true promise of God's powerful salvation given as readily to those who came last as much as to those who arrived first. To our neighbors, all of our neighbors, and to ourselves. God's goodness towards us is knit into the very fabric of our lives, and we are invited to see that goodness, to grasp it, to live into it, not just in the kingdom of heaven, not only in the future, but here and now. If we could only dare to see how close Christ comes to us in the faces of one another. Amen. <laughs>